The Chicago Blackhawks go on a winning streak for the first time this season before quickly having it snapped on Sunday. On today's episode, I'll dive into Peter Morazic having another spectacular showing against the Blues. The defensemen finally starting to chip in on the offensive side of things. And the latest roster moves from this morning is Boris Kachuk has officially been placed on waivers. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, Thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your week. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too, or you can go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also just a quick reminder to please go and show some support by smashing the like button, commenting down below, and of course, subscribing to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel, which won't cost you anything it's 100% free and really does go a long way for yours truly. So make sure to take care of that if you can real quick. You can also go and turn on those push notifications if you're wanting to get notified when the episode is uploaded each and every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is sponsored by the Sleeper app, the go-to platform for daily fantasy sports. And right now, you can go and use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps to get up to an $100 match on your first deposit. All right, good afternoon, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. First and foremost, let me just say, I hope everyone out there had themselves quite a lovely weekend. A busy weekend it was for our Chicago Blackhawks. I got a lot to break down on today's show. Is not only were there two games, yet another back-to-back over the weekend for the Blackhawks, but I also got a couple of roster moves to dive into on today's episode as and as I'm sure you all saw by the title of the show going to be bringing back mailbag Monday for the first time in a couple of weeks just with all these back-to-backs and roster moves and the Beauvillier trade and Corey Perry stuff it's kind of been put on the back burner here as of late but it's something I still love doing and want to be uh, implementing into the show on a week-to-week basis so if you missed out this week and if you didn't get your question in go and comment down below Uh, In the comment section, I'll make sure to get to it this time next week. Or you could also go and check out the community tab on the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel. I have a place where you can post your question there as well. But the first thing I want to talk about on today's show is the Chicago Blackhawks going on a two-game winning streak for the first time this season. Finally, we see two consecutive wins. And a little bit extra sweet it was with a nice 3-1 to win over the St. Louis Blues. And as I mentioned when I kind of previewed this matchup on Friday, ever since the 2016 uh, first round loss to the Blues, it's been such a struggle for the Blackhawks to beat them. It really feels like uh, the Blues have had a leg up and it's kind of been hard to call this a rivalry with how much the Blackhawks have struggled against them. So anytime they can go and pick up a win over the St. Louis Blues, I mean, it's always going to be a little bit extra sweet. And all in all, a pretty sturdy performance to go and uh, get this win over the Blues, to go and get two wins in a row. There were a couple of things that I want to talk about that 
I thought were the true difference makers in the final outcome. Number one, though, undoubtedly was Peter Morazic picking up right where he left off uh, from Thursday after recording his not only his first shutout of the season, first shutout with the member as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks, but also his first one since February of 2021. He was just as good again on Saturday. Uh, the Blues started to come with a little bit of a charge there in the second period and then late in the third looked like he was going to be on his way to a second consecutive shutout until kind of a uh, costly shorthanded odd man break, which has been something that's bit the Blackhawks in the butt far too often this season. Been a little bit better at it as of late, but unfortunately that's what led to uh, Peter Morazic's shutout being broken, but with it or without it, he was simply sensational once again and just seems to remain a focal point of any type of success the Chicago Blackhawks are having this season. And something I'll get into a little bit more of in segment two is whenever Morazic isn't in net, it's just kind of hard to envision the Blackhawks winning. So great to see Peter Morazic continuing to play uh, on top of his game um, and remains in my mind, the co-MVP of the Blackhawks here in the early going along with Connor Bedard. He was the number one difference maker. A second one to me was the Blackhawks being the team to get out to a great start in the first matchup, a couple of weeks prior, what really plagued the Hawks was getting off to a slow start, just kind of being flat footed out of the gate the Blues took advantage and ran out to an early two and nothing lead just five and a half minutes in and went up to uh, ended up going up three to one after the end of 20 minutes. So for the Blackhawks to go and kind of flip the script on them to get that near sellout United Center crowd kind of rowdy on Saturday night, I think that was a really nice way for the Blackhawks to set the tone and also give Peter Morazic that early cushion, which ended up being all that he needed. The third difference maker in this one was the defenseman finally starting to help out on the offensive side of things. I mean, it's been such a struggle to get them going all season long and been a, a real kind of variable or benefit. What's the word I'm looking Contributor, a contributing factor, sorry, um, to the Blackhawks offensive struggles as a whole is they just hadn't been getting anything from their defensemen. And I don't know this off the top of my head, but before the weekend, I have to imagine the Blackhawks were dead last in the NHL or right near the bottom in terms of goals from their defensemen because they only had three. And two of them were from 19-year-old defenseman Kevin Korchinski, who, by the way, wasn't with the Blackhawks over the weekend as he's currently away from the club handling a family matter, hoping everything is okay with the Korchinski family. But sounds like he's not going to be able to return for uh, the matchup on Tuesday with the Edmonton Oilers, either as the Blackhawks head out West for a mini two game road trip. But with, even without Korchinski, the Blackhawks finally found a way to get it going from the back end. And the man that really led the charge on Saturday, believe it or not, Blackhawks fans was Nikita Zaitsev. Even after all the crap that everyone's been giving him, uh, found a way to brush it to the side and, in my mind, certainly had his best game as a member of the Blackhawks on Saturday. Looked like he had his second goal of the season with an absolute howitzer from the right point, but actually ended up getting deflected by Anthony Beauvillier in front for his first goal as a member of the Blackhawks. But then later in the game, Zaitsev goes and sets up Jason Dickinson with maybe the most perfect pass he could have given him in that situation. I mean, kind of dodged two defender sticks and wound up right on the tape for Jason Dickinson. I mean, he hasn't had an easier goal all season long. It was a pinpoint pass from Nikita Zaitsev. So 
great to see him chipping in offensively. Uh, now, well, actually, he didn't end up getting credit for that goal, but two primary assists in this one. Then the other Blackhawks goal came a la Alex Vlasic for her his first tally of the season as well on just a innocent-looking wrist shot from the blue line, wind up working its way through traffic and beating the Blues netminder. And there has been a noticeable kind of change in mentality over the last three to four games, I'd say, for the Blackhawks defensemen. And we've heard it from the players when they've been interviewed. We've heard it from the coaching staff whenever the Blackhawks media has talked to them. We've even heard it from the broadcast recently as well. And we're seeing it from the players too. The defensemen are just having a more aggressive mentality whenever they have the puck on their stick in the offensive zone. And it's much needed. The Blackhawks just need that help from their defensemen with all, all the forward injuries and the, the lineup woes that they've been dealing with. They need more out of their back end. And I thought, you know, being involved in all three goals clearly wound up being a huge difference in this one. So hopefully we get to see more of that because not only is it going to help out this Blackhawks offense, but it's also going to make life easier as a fan watching this Blackhawks team game in and game out. If they can get some help from their defensemen, that's going to lead to more goals. And that's going to lead to us being a little bit more excited when we're turning them on the television. So great to see the defensemen getting active, a huge impact that they had in the three, one win over the blues to lead the Blackhawks to their first two-game winning streak of the entire season. Sadly, though, Blackhawks fans, that winning streak didn't last all that long. This ended up getting snapped on Sunday against the Capitals. And coming up in just a moment here, I will get into that matchup as well as the latest roster moves we saw on Monday morning. But first, I got to talk to you all about Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Connor Bedard, could be on his way to scoring 40 goals and could be looking at the Calder Trophy in his near future. And you could be winning real big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy contests. All you have to do is simply pick whether studs like Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, or Connor Bedard will record more or less than their sleeper projections for goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more in any given game. And again, sleeper offers 100 times payouts, so start paying attention, make the right picks, and you could win real big. And right now, you can also go and use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps to get up to an $100 match on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps. You can go and see Sleeper's Terms of Use right now for more details. Segment two, getting into the second of two games for the Chicago Blackhawks at the United Center over the weekend, a matchup with the Washington Capitals to wrap up their four-game homestand. It looked early on like the Blackhawks were going to have a good opportunity to extend that winning streak. It was a scoreless opening 20 minutes, but I thought the Blackhawks really started to get going there in the latter half of the period. The bottom six was putting together some good shifts. We also saw Connor Bedard and Philip Kurashev doing some good things early, and then early on in the second, we saw, again, the defenseman getting active for the Blackhawks in the offensive zone, this time coming in the form of Seth Jones jumping into the play, getting the puck down low, and then making a beautiful centering feed to set up Philip Kurashev for his sixth goal of the season, putting the Blackhawks ahead one to nothing in the second period. And at that point in time, 
the Blackhawks had momentum on their side. And even in the first period, despite not finding a way to put the puck past Darcy Kemper and goal for the Caps, I thought his rebound control looked really shaky and he, he just didn't really look all that confident or, or that sturdy in net in terms of his positioning. So I thought it was going to be a huge opportunity for the Blackhawks to build off that and maybe go on to have a three or a four goal showing, which in their books is, is kind of a rarity, but it felt like it could have been one of those nights with the way things were going there in the second period with momentum on their side. But suddenly, just kind of in the blink of an eye, things spiraled out of control in a hurry. Uh, the Capitals, a couple of tough plays by Alex Vlasic, quite honestly, ended up getting beat by Anthony Mantha in transition. Connor Bedard wasn't able to give him kind of the support, and Mantha goes on to make a nifty move to beat Arvid Soderblom. That tied the game one-to-one, and then uh, Vlasic takes a big hit in behind the net from TJ Oshie, of all people, a pretty big size differential there, but... Oshi flattens Vlasic, which leads to him committing a turnover and then just wasn't able to get back in front of the net in time to recover. And Dylan Strome, because of course, goes on to put the Capitals ahead two to one. And then just a couple of scrambly goals from Nick Dowd right out in front where the Blackhawks just kind of got caught all over the place. Dowd finds two loose pucks and bada bing, bada boom. There were three of them three consecutive goals by the Capitals in the second period. Dowd's second of the game was a little bit later in the third period to basically put the nail in the hammer for the Blackhawks. Hard to blame Arvid Soderbloom for all of those goals. I mean, you could probably blame him for two if you want those two kind of scrambles, which uh, rebound control came into effect a little bit there as well. But all in all, I mean, Blackhawks scoring one score. Their only other goal came... With, you know, two minutes left, another goal from a defenseman, though, I will say. Connor Bedard with a beautiful play to set up Connor Murphy, his second point of the game. Kurashev gets his second point of the game as well on an assist. Those guys continue to do a lot of good puck movement together in the offensive zone, but wound up being too little too late for the Blackhawks. Really not that bad of a showing and probably deserved a little bit better, but just a poor sequence of six, seven minutes there in the second period ultimately wound up being the difference. And what that goes back to is just the true offensive struggles that this team fights through. I mean, through 57 minutes, they only had one goal and it looked like it was going to be their fifth one goal performance in their last seven games. And when you just have those offensive struggles, I mean, having two mistakes that lead to goals for the opposite team feels like, you know, you can't even have those mistakes and still win games. So it's frustrating for the Blackhawks when they're having struggles like that. And I'm sure it has to be frustrating for Arvid Soderblom as well. He has now won just one of his last 11 starts for the Blackhawks. And I believe he's only won four of 29. It might even be 30 NHL starts now at this point. And kind of just goes back to Peter Morazic. It feels like this is why I consider him co-MVP of the Blackhawks. Because when he's not stopping 37 of 38 shots or 38 of 40 and holding the opposing team to two goals or less, which it's been really hard for Arvid Soderblom to do this year, which to be fair, you know, this is his first full NHL season and doesn't exactly have the sturdiest defensive core in front of him either, but it feels like, man, the Blackhawks have to be so perfect for them to win games in terms of holding the opponent to only one or two, because whenever they allow more than that, it's going to be hard for them to score that many to keep up. So Man, it's kind of a frustrating combination for Arvid Soderblom, and I have a question about him in Mailbag Monday that I'll get to here in just a second, but yeah, his struggles are real, and I'm sure the Blackhawks are disappointed with 
how his first full NHL campaign has gone to, gone this far. But at the same point in time, like I mentioned, the Blackhawks, it feels like they have to play such a perfect game for them to win right here, right now with the roster that they have. And it's very tough for a young goaltender. I'm just hoping that it's not going to affect the mental part of Arvid Soderblom's game too much because look, what he does right here, right now, it's important, but if he's able to continue developing, it's not going to be as important as what he does in two to three years down the road. And I just don't want it to waver on him. I don't want it to affect his game too much because I'm sure it hasn't been easy. And I'm sure he he's aware of, you know, when he's playing, the Blackhawks don't have a whole lot of wins at the NHL level in his career. So yeah, tough for uh, Arvid Soderbloom, tough for the Blackhawks. They didn't play their worst game. Well, definitely a better performance than what we saw last weekend when they had those dreadful road losses. They were better all week long. Unfortunately, though, just a couple of uh, tough blips wound wound up leading to a 4-2 to loss to the Capitals to snap their winning streak. Next thing I want to talk about, though, before moving on to Mailbag Monday here real quick, is the latest roster moves that we saw from the Blackhawks this morning before heading out west where they take on the Edmonton Oilers on Tuesday. By the way, that's a 9 p.m. Central Time puck drop. We got a couple of those this week, Blackhawks fans. But the latest roster moves that we got, first, defenseman Jared Tenorti has officially been placed on injured reserve while in concussion protocol. It sounds like things have been progressing well for him, though. Luke Richardson talked about how he's had some good nights of sleep, which is always a good indication of progression in those departments. But still, I think with the Blackhawks going on a road trip and seeming, see, with it seeming like Tenorti just wasn't going to be able to return this week, the Blackhawks went on and recalled Philip Ruse from the Rockford Ice Hogs as well, just to give them a seventh defenseman in case anything were to happen because they've only had six these last couple of games with Tenorti out. And if something were to go wrong at Edmonton, you want to make sure you're prepared for Thursday in Vancouver, I believe it is. So Philip Ruse is going to be uh, going with the Hawks for this road trip. Hasn't played in an NHL game this season, was recalled for a moment earlier, but in 16 games with the Ice Hogs, he's got one goal and three assists for four points. But I do think it makes sense. You want to be leaving Wyatt Kaiser down there. I don't think Ethan Del Mastro and Nolan Allen are ready at this point in time and won't be recalled unless there's an injury situation going on. But Philip Ruse being <clears throat> a veteran guy, a guy who's played a lot of professional hockey, even before coming to a North America overseas in the SHL, uh, I think he works well as a seventh defenseman because you won't feel too bad about scratching him or have him watching games in the press box. Um, but it's also going to be tough for this Blackhawks team, thinking that Louis Crevier, uh, Nikita Zaitsev, Philip Ruse, Isaac Phillips, I mean, four of those, they're all going on the road trip for the Blackhawks. They're down Kevin Korchinski now on this road trip as well as uh, Jared Tenorti. So going to be interesting to see how this Blackhawks decor hangs up. To his credit, though, Louis Crevier has been tremendous defensively for the most part on that pairing with Alex Vlasic and Nikita Zaitsev. He's been playing some better hockey as of late uh, over the weekend, at least. So hopefully he'll be able to keep that up. But it will be interesting to see what combinations the Blackhawks go with or if Philip Ruse will make his first appearance for the Blackhawks this season. Uh, also, probably the biggest roster move that the Blackhawks made today, Boris Kachuk officially has been placed on waivers for the purpose of sending him to the Rockford Ice Hogs. And Kachuk has been scratched, was scratched in each of the last four games for the Blackhawks. Total in 17 games this year, he's got two goals, two assists. 
kind of a polarizing start to the year for him because when Kachuk was going well, it felt like he was one of the better Blackhawks forwards in the lineup that given night. I mean, a lot of good breakaway opportunities. He really could have five or six goals on the season if he made the most of his chances. And when he was at his best, he was kind of a physical wrecking ball out there, finishing his checks on every uh, on every shift. But the consistency was was really the biggest issue for him, getting the finished product. And with Joey Anderson playing so well as of late and Cole Gutman, He's been playing well since getting called up. The Blackhawks said that Boris Kachuk has just kind of fallen in terms of the depth chart at this point in time. And they do want him to be playing meaningful minutes in Rockford rather than just be watching games from up in the press box. So that's their reasoning for sending Kachuk down to Rockford. But man, it's a little bit tough to me. I understand the consistency has been a little bit of an issue, but I still think there's upside there for Boris Kachuk. Yeah, he's got to go and give that an effort, effort night in and night out, but I just feel like in a bottom six that's kind of crowded with Reese Johnson, who I liked his fight with Braden Shen over the weekend. I think he provides you a little bit of something different. I would just personally be rather playing Boris Kachuk at this point in time, but I'm just a spectator. I'm not the one making these decisions. So a little bit disappointing seeing him go to Rockford. I do also wonder if this means that Boris or uh, Andreas Athanasiu could be close to skating and making his return to the lineup. And you also got to wonder, I mean, we've seen Colin Blackwell skating for basically two months now. And I know this is something long-term and, there isn't really, there hasn't been a timeline all season long, but you got to wonder how close he could be getting. And his addition to the forward group makes things a little bit more crowded as well. Even with uh, Joey Anderson and Cole Gutman, there's going to be some tough decisions made there too. So kind of just a result of that, Boris Kachuk is heading to Rockford if he doesn't get claimed. That's something we also have to consider. I imagine it's probably unlikely that he gets claimed, but crazier things have happened. Um, I would like to see Boris Kachuk more in the NHL lineup. I hope this isn't the end of his tenure with the Blackhawks. I'm hoping he won't get claimed, um, but all he can do at this point in time is go and put his head down and go and do some work down in Rockford, go and do some good things there and a bigger opportunity. And just hope that whenever you get that opportunity again, you can go full speed ahead and really make the most of that one. So we'll see what happens with Boris Kachuk over these next 24 hours, if he gets claimed or if he doesn't, but he was officially placed on waivers with the purpose of sending him to the Rockford Ice Hogs earlier this morning. All right, folks, coming up in just a minute before I wrap up today's episode, still got to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. But first, I got to talk to you all about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive because eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and to level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. With all the parts you need at prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and to bring home that win. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, 
your team every day. If you're still tuned in to this point of today's episode, let me just say thank you very much for all your support. It really does mean the world to me. If you haven't already, please go and help your boy out by smashing the like button, commenting down below, and subscribing to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel. Also, go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well as another cool source of Blackhawks-related content. And also, make sure to check out the new Lockdown Sports Today. Lockdown has launched the first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local exports of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go check it out at Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Segment three, time to get into Mailbag Monday for the first time in a couple of weeks where I answer a question from a few lucky listeners right here live on the show. First one I want to answer comes from Quaymet Kohler on Instagram who asked, where exactly does Athanasiu fit into the lineup whenever he comes back? And I do think this is a really interesting question, one that I'm curious to see myself. As for what I would do personally, I think you would probably leave the Bedard Bavillier, um, Bedard Bavillier Kurashev trio alone for the time being. I think those three have been rolling fine together. I don't know if that's the long-term fit for Anthony Bovillier, but Philip Kershev and Connor Bedard have been working well together all season long. And that's been a pleasant surprise. The offensive consistency out of Philip Kershev this season has been pretty excellent and not something I expected to see out of him this year. So that that's been really great. And I think because of that, you leave him with Connor Bedard unless they go through like a, you know, like a six or a seven game pointless drought or something along those lines. I think those two are, now together for the time being, like I would have expected Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard to be together all season had he had been healthy. So with that being the case, I think you leave Beauvillier up there right now. And then to me, Andreas Athanasiu has to come back in the top six role. So I'd go and put him on the second line and look, I'm done with Lucas Reichel on the fourth line. He actually, I thought the fourth line had a pretty good game against the Capitals. Still not bode, it's still not going to bode well for him in terms of actual production, putting the puck in the back of the net. That's what we need to see more out of, out of Reichel. And I just don't think he's going to find that there. Maybe he'll find um, a, a better, better way to play tougher against. I, I don't know how to put it, but I just, I just don't get it down there, man. I really don't. Um, so I would be putting Lucas Reichel back on the second line with Andreas Athanasiu. And then the tough question would be, what do you do with Cole Gubman, Taylor Radish, Tyler Johnson? Which one of those guys do you think ultimately uh, stays on the second line? To me, it'd probably be Tyler Johnson. Um, well, it also comes down to what do you want to do with Athanasiu? Because when he and Reichel were working well together, Athanasiu was playing center. Um, so if you want to put him at center with Reichel, maybe you put Taylor Radish there. Um, you put Tyler Johnson there. Maybe you go Reichel, Gutman, Athanasiu. That, that would probably be something I, I would like to see. Um, and then you could go Tyler Johnson, Taylor Radish, and um, maybe Ryan Donato as a as a third slash fourth line and leave Nick Foligno, Jason Dickinson, and Joey Anderson together. To me, that would be probably a lineup that I would be looking for. Next question I wanted to answer comes from at Mata Pumo on X, who asked, Nick Lardis was a first-round talent. Why did he drop? What do you think he projects as, NHL-wise, obviously? 
Yeah, so for those who might be out of the know, Nick Lardis has been on an absolute tear for the Brantford Bulldogs this season. After a hat trick this weekend, he now has 23 goals in 28 games this season. He was actually just named OHL Player of the Week for having seven points, five goals, and two assists in three games of action. And yeah, he was someone who had some first-round evaluations. The real reason why he dropped, I think, is it's not the goal scoring. That's been pretty prevalent so far in his time with junior hockey, but everything else it's even the playmaking like he's not someone who racks up a ton of assists at the junior level clearly prefers to call his own number rather than to distribute and then there's the frame he's like five foot 11 150 160 pounds and just kind of there's a lot of physical maturing for him still to do he kind of looks like a little kid still out there and how he's going to handle NHL players how he's going to handle and fair against grown men it's a valid question at that size it can't just be all goal scoring ability is going to have to figure out how to maneuver around there. So I think those questions and concerns is what led to him falling 67th overall, but make no mistake. It was a very good upside pick by the Chicago Blackhawks, because if Nick Lardis does figure those things out, if he figures out how to handle himself around grown men and winds up making it to the NHL, there is so much goal scoring ability there. There is so much upside. So I think this was an excellent pick by the Blackhawks obviously based off of the good start that Nick Lardis is up to, but those would be the reasonings why he fell. And those are quite honestly, always going to be the concerns about him until he kind of proves it to everyone else. Next question comes from at Serones one. I think that's how you pronounce it on X who asked, why is Dominic Bassey never mentioned when people talk about goalie prospects, they talk about Camesso or Guyan. Those two were, I mean, second round selections in comparison to Dominic Bassey, who was a, uh, See a seventh round pick? Can't remember. It was all the way back in 2019. He was either a sixth or a seventh round pick, but I mean, Guyane's playing incredible hockey right now for the Green Bay Gamblers. I believe he leads the USHL in wins, save percentage, and goals against average. I mean, he has just been spectacular. And then Drew Comesso was a stud for one of the biggest programs in all of college hockey for three years, played for the United States Development Program, uh, has played in the World Juniors, has played in the Olympics, has played at a world championship. I mean, there, there are different levels to these goaltenders that are pretty clear and obvious, but I will say Dominic Bassey has had a really good last couple of years since transferring from Colorado College to St. Cloud State, one of the uh, better schools in Minnesota and also a team that's been inside the top 20 rankings basically all season long. And Bassey's had some really good numbers there. His shutouts always seem to jump off the page, which in fairness could be a result of just good defense at the collegiate level and just not giving up a lot of shots against. But still, he's been good enough to where I'm interested to see how the Blackhawks are going to handle him. Like, are they going to give him an entry-level contract? Are they going to add him to the slew of goalies down in Rockford? Because this is his last year of collegiate hockey, and I'm just really curious to see what his path is going to be next year. Maybe he winds up... uh, winds up with the Indy fuel of the ECHL, but there is something to look into there with Dominic Bassey, good six foot six frame, which is kind of like what you want in a modern day NHLer. So I am really curious to see how the Blackhawks are going to handle him over the next uh, six to eight months. Next question comes from Jason Senback 32, who asked, what do you do with Connor Murphy at this point in time? Because his season has not been good. And I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Connor Murphy has not been good for the Blackhawks this year. Analytically, in terms of the eye test, um, 
offensively, he finally just got his first goal of the season. I know that's not where he makes his living, but man, it's been a problem for the last couple of years. The the debate between Mur- why are Murphy's analytics so bad? Is he actually as bad as the analytics? It's tough. And for him to be a, a veteran defenseman who's kind of looked at as a leader, shoot, I know he could be doing a lot of good things off of the ice in terms of aiding in the development of these young guys, but comes a point in time where he's got to, I mean, he's got to play like a veteran leader out there on the ice. He's got to lead by example out there too. And to me, no question, Alex Vlasic has been better than him this season. And I mean, Kevin Korchinski for being 19 years old, it seems like he kind of has the same exact struggles that Connor Murphy does. And for Murphy being a what, 33, 30 year old, 34 year old veteran at this point in time. Yeah. It's absolutely concerning. And when you look at his contract, I don't know if other teams are going to want to be paying or giving up a top prospect unless the Blackhawks are going to be eating a decent amount of that. So it's a real tough spot for Connor Murphy to be in right now. I just don't know if he has much value out there at that price tag. Yeah, the Blackhawks could um, capture some of that cap hit, but not a good season for Connor Murphy. I'm actually at at a little bit of a loss for words because I've talked about it a lot and I've just been waiting for him to get better this year and, waiting for him to have a bounce back year kind of the last two years. And it just hasn't happened because his first couple seasons with the Blackhawks, he was really sharp. Just hasn't been the case this season or for the last couple. Now, last question I am going to answer comes from at Brian underscore Lefevre on Twitter on X who asked any chance the Hawks move off Soderbloom this year or next. Definitely not this year. In my opinion, um, while he has been underwhelming, I think it's just, too early to go and say that. Um, well, actually, I was thinking, I'm pretty sure he has two years left on his current deal. I just want to double check this because I know Morazic is obviously a free agent at the end of the year. Pretty sure Soderbloom got his extension and it was for two years, but I'm just going to double check while I'm here live on the show so I don't sound like an idiot. Yeah, he's got two years left. Yeah, I think the contract will probably play itself out if I had to imagine. Blackhawks are, they're just not in a rush, I think. Even if the rest of the way doesn't get better for Arvid Soderloom, I, I think it could change their plans because I think what they would have liked to have happen is Peter Morazic is the starter this year. Arvid Soderbloom is the 1B. He kind of presses for that starting role. And then next year, they kind of give him the reins to be the number one in Chicago or bring in someone that kind of splits it 50-50. But I think still regardless whether – how it goes the rest of the way. They're still going to be giving him opportunities in their organization next year. I don't think they're just going to completely punt on him if he has a bad first full NHL season. But if it does continue to go this way, the rest of this campaign, it is going to be more pressing. It's going to be kind of a do or die time, if you will, for Arvid Soderbloom next year, because that could be the last opportunity he gets, especially with guys like uh, Drew Camesso, Adam Guyan, Jackson Stauber, shoot, maybe even Dominic Bassey, all coming up in the system these next couple of years. All right, I think that is going to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free right now, wherever you may be listening to your podcast, and to go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube, and that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman 2, or you can go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. 
So until tomorrow's episode, that's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.